This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That is the Athletics' Jesse Temple. We are now just... I'm going to keep on doing this. Nine days away from Wisconsin taking on Buffalo to start their season. And we will be doing our season preview coming up on Sunday. As a reminder, we also have our first episode of Temple and Heilprin coming up next Thursday live at Monks in Sun Prairie. We're going to be there from 6 to 7. Really, really excited about that. You can listen live on Zone Madison. You can also catch it later on our podcast, Temple and Heilprin. Search wherever you get your podcast. You'll find it there. And then you can also come out and see us. We'd appreciate that. Love that. If you wanted to come out to Monks and Sun Prairie, they've got TVs, great drink specials, a ton of TVs, I should say, great drink specials. I'm sure there will be some college football on that Thursday night, and I'm pretty sure it might be Big Ten football on that Thursday night. So come out and see us. Really excited about that. We're going to be there every Thursday throughout the season and into basketball season as well. We also have our YouTube channel. If you're not watching, please do. And a little bit uh, of a new thing, we've got our Instagram account. The Camp Podcast. I've got a little bit of incentive for you guys to go and subscribe there. Going to be giving away a pair of tickets to the opener. The Buffalo game coming up, as I said, just nine days away. Going to be giving away a couple of tickets. The only requirement here is go and follow that. And then on Sunday, I'm going to give a trivia question. And you just go into the mentions or the, the messages and send us the correct answer. And on Tuesday, I'm going to pick from all the correct answers whoever gets it, and give those tickets out on Tuesday. So, again, go to Instagram, follow us, listen on Sunday, get the trivia question, give me the answer, and I will give you the tickets on Tuesday or give away the tickets on Tuesday. Obviously, you have to be – well, you don't have to be in Madison. You can be wherever you want because I can just transfer them digitally to you. But they are really good seats. They're my seats. So they're really good seats where I've been in my family forever, but on the 40-yard line under the overhang. So if it's warm next Saturday – Sun won't be a problem either. So, again, go check out the Instagram account. Give it a follow, and we will give those tickets away on Tuesday. But you have to listen Sunday for the trivia question because that is a big part of this as well. All right. We're also brought to you by, in part by Homefield Apparel. They have the best college, officially licensed college gear that anybody is making. It's vintage gear. Wisconsin collection is amazing. They've also got over 150 colleges Pretty much everybody, and they got some big time lines coming out. So even if it's not for you, you get it for a friend or give it for a family member that maybe isn't a Wisconsin fan. Just a ton of great designs, really very nicely made and comfortable. So check them out, homefieldapparel.com. All right, now that that is done, Jesse, we are, as I said, eight days, nine days away. We will be doing our season preview on Sunday, but. I think there's a question, and, and I think you can make an argument for all five of these people, but I wanted to start the show this way. Who is under the most pressure this first year of the Luke Fickle era? And I'm going to give you five options. I'm going to let you go, and I'll pick – I'm not going to pick the same person you do because I said I think you can make an argument for all five of them. But who is under the most pressure this year? Luke Fickle, Phil Longo, Mike Tressel. Tanner Mordecai or Chris McIntosh? My initial reaction is to say Phil Longo. And I think 
part of it is a process of elimination. The first person that I would eliminate there is Tanner Mordecai, largely because if it doesn't work out, he's gone in six months. So what consequences does he have to face other than he's not an NFL quarterback if it doesn't work out? It's this year, though, I'm saying. It's right. this year. Who's under most pressure this year? Not He's eliminating Tanner Mordecai is saying he came to Wisconsin just to throw away a senior year, which is completely not true. He came to impress NFL scouts. He is also the savior. He's the best quarterback since Russell Wilson, which obviously the last guy was supposed to be that, and it didn't go great for him, and he was under a ton of pressure every single week. And he's the leader of this new, brand-new offense. He's the one that has to make it go. I think there's a ton of pressure on Tanner Mordecai. So, again, as as I said, I can make an argument for all five. (laughs) Well, there's pressure on all five, which is why you're including them on the list. I I guess my first thought is thinking about, you know, what this means for the long term. It's hard for me just to think about this single season. Uh, But Longo is my answer because it's such a drastic departure from what Wisconsin has done for 30 plus years. And there is a ton of excitement, more excitement than I can ever remember covering this team. Uh, because of the personnel that the Badgers were able to bring in. A large reason was because of the offense that Longo ran. He's had success everywhere he's been, but this is, at least to me, feels like a little bit different animal coming to the Big Ten and seeing whether this is going to work with a group that is not accustomed to running this. So I, I feel I'm inclined to go with Longo because if it doesn't work, I mean, people are are going to probably – point the finger in that direction since he's the one calling the plays. On the other hand, it's not like the offense was setting the world on fire the last three years. So I would say that the bar is a little lower than if you were coming in after 2019 or some of those other years when there was a ton of success. This is a program that is kind of now starved for success after having three straight years where they weren't very good. I would agree with that, but I would also say that's why expectations are so high and why the pressure is is ratcheted up on him as well. Because people are expecting this to be 2011 Wisconsin. They're expecting, I shouldn't say everybody. I think there are realistic expectations. And we'll, you know, the over-unders that will will be a part of our season preview is going to be kind of difficult for me to put together just because I think that there are a lot of people that are thinking it's going to be 45 a game and maybe more realistic, it's going to be mid-30s a game, which again would be a huge improvement over what they have done these last three years. But yeah, the pressure's on him significantly. He's ter- he is going. They, and this is more of a Luke Fickle under pressure and Chris McIntosh under pressure. But they're going away from what Wisconsin had been, and it hadn't been overly successful the last three years. But it was still what everybody had known for the last thirty years, for the most part. I know Paul Chris changed some things up in two thousand five, and the offense was just not what it was. You know when Ron Dane was running the ball. I get that, but. There's a lot of pressure on Phil Longo to get this right and get this done and and make them into the offense that a lot of people believe they should be on a yearly basis. And so I think the the pressure is very, very high on him. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I also think it's extremely high on Chris McIntosh Mm -hmm. because of what he did. He went away from Wisconsin and it was a bold move and it's a move that could go completely wrong. It could go Nebraska-esque, excuse me, Nebraska-ish and just be you know, the end of what Wisconsin football as we know it was. That's a possibility. It's also a possibility that he just turned Wisconsin into a national contender down the line. Maybe not this year, but down the line by going and getting Luke Fickle and making the best possible hire you could 
in this last cycle. And I know some Nebraska fans will say Matt Rule, and I know, you know, maybe Colorado fans will say Deion Sanders, but I think it's easy to say Luke Fickle was the best hire of this cycle. And yet, when you make that hire, the pressure on that hire to succeed is significant. Luke Fickle and Chris McIntosh are tied together. They are tied together at the hip. If it works well, Chris McIntosh is a savior and a hero. If it works poorly, and this goes the other way, well, then his job is very much tied to Luke Fickle's, and I, I don't know if Chris McIntosh gets to make another football coaching hire. So I think Chris McIntosh has a ton of pressure on him, but I think that may be long-term, and I kind of think the same thing with Luke Fickle as well. Year one is not going to decide whether they are good or whether there's a good hire or a bad hire. It's not going to be just a one-year thing. To me, I think you could make a huge uh, argument, and, and maybe Luke Fickle plays a role in this too because he's a defensive head coach but a ton of pressure on Mike Trestle how good has Wisconsin's defense been the last 10 years who is he replacing the most one of the most beloved players and now coaches that have ever been at Wisconsin and so if his defense does not match up to what the defense has been not just the last you know most of the last three years but much much of the last 10 years and especially the you know since 2017 under Jim Leonard that is not going to be very easy to deal with. I think if you're, if you're Mike Trussell, so I think there's a ton of pressure on him to keep the defense at such a high level, as you mentioned, offense wasn't here. I mean, how much higher does Phil Long will have to be to make it better than what it was. So Mike Trussell, I think you could make an argument that he is under the most pressure because of who he's replacing and what this defense has been. I think it's tough to answer this question without bringing your own personal biases in and I know it's it's an opinionated question but like right. we're, reason- we're, we're we're a podcast we are going to give opinions and well, uh, there's going to be bias in those opinions even the even the great journalistic standards of Jesse Temple <laughs> there's going to be a little bit of bias in there no but I I think where I'm coming from with Trestle is I just don't have much doubt that this defense is going to be excellent so I'm almost automatically eliminating him from the conversation because two years ago when they were at Cincinnati and yes, that was the most incredible year. A group of five teams put together by making the college football playoff. Cincinnati was second in the country in pass defense. We've seen this team in practice defensively. I think they're going to be outstanding. And what, whether that means top five in the country or top 15, top 20, I can understand you may be disappointed if it's the 18th ranked defense in the country this year, relative to where they've been under Jim Leonard. But I just, I don't have much question about Mike Tressel coming in here and succeeding because of the personnel that he has. Um, And I think maybe it comes from a place of having more questions offensively simply because it's such a drastic departure. Now it looks good on paper. There are moments where you go, oh my God, this is the deepest, most talented wide receiver core. Tanner Mordecai is the best quarterback this group has had since Russell Wilson. They've got two really talented running backs. I'm still waiting for it to come together on the field against an opponent and for it to come together consistently. Um, And maybe that's where I'm coming from in this, where I have more questions about what the offense is going to look like. And because Phil Longo is such a highly touted offensive coordinator and has success so many places, the pressure is really ratcheted up. But it is hard to separate in this discussion pressure in this four month window with that long term pressure, because you're right. I look at Luke Fickle and I mean, his first year at Cincinnati, granted, totally different situation, right? He's a first time head coach other than that one year as an interim at Ohio State. Cincinnati went four and eight. So 
they ended up being pretty damn good in the long run. And that's, I think, part of this, too, is if Wisconsin doesn't meet expectations this year, it doesn't mean that they won't down the road with Luke Fickle. So um, that's where I'm coming from in this. It's interesting you talk about expectations for the defense. You're expecting them to be great. I'm expecting them to be really good. You're expecting them to be really good. You're expecting them to do this and do that. What comes with expectations? Pressure. Yes, Yes, you're right. So you have these large expectations for the defense. That to me is pressure. And the pressure falls on the guy who's calling the defense. And so, again, for me, Mike Trestle has to be right up there. As I said, an argument can be made for all five. And I think we did a pretty good job of making the argument for all five. I can see certainly see Phil Longo in there, and I can see Tanner Mordecai, and I can see Luke Fickle, and I can see Chris McIntosh. But I think when he comes down to expectations, the pressure to keep a unit at a high level like Wisconsin's defense is, I think it's significant. I think it's significant. But again, maybe that's just my bias showing. No? Possibly. It just comes it just comes down to I feel I feel better defensive. I feel better about this team defensively than offensively. Um, that is not to say that this won't be a really exciting, awesome offense this year. It's just this sense of I have a better sense of what to expect defensively than I do offensively, if that makes sense. I think that's fair. What where do your expectations often uh offensively? Like how many how many points do you think per game they're gonna go to? And I know as I said, we'll talk a little bit about this more on Sunday, but what do you think? Well, this program has only averaged at least 35 points in a game twice, and it was the 2010-2011 seasons, and since then, they haven't gotten to that level. Now, if you look at what Phil Longo did at North Carolina, and that's where we're stuck in this place is, well, what what did he do before? It really has nothing to do with what he's necessarily going to do at Wisconsin, but over the last three years when Wisconsin was not very good offensively, his North Carolina teams averaged something like 36 plus points a game. And that was 10th in the country. So I don't know that Wisconsin is going to be a top 10 offense and scoring offense, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think low to mid thirties in in terms of points per game. Um, You know, if they get to 35, that's the third best offense Wisconsin has ever had. Now, granted it's a much different type of offense, but I feel like that's in play right now. It's just hard to definitively say that that's going to happen, not having seen him against an opponent. Yeah, and we'll have to wait a little bit more. We've got a little bit over a week to wait before we get to see them against an opponent. So our colleague at the Wisconsin State Journal, Jim Polzine, did his bold prediction. And I know you're going to be doing your bold predictions here at some point, right? Do you have that? Are you still bringing that article? Yes, at some okay. point, I'll All right. make some predictions of some sort. <laughs> All right, so great work by Jim Polzine and the, and the Badger Extra crew that they do for the State Journal, and go check it out. Go subscribe. Subscribe to The Athletic as well, and to this podcast, uh, you t- and everything else. But his big bowl prediction, first one, I believe, was Tanner Mordecai, first team All-Big Ten, which got me thinking about, where does Tanner Mordecai come in in the quarterback rankings? There's so many new guys in this conference. I mean, there's only, I think, three returning starters from last year. You got J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. You got uh, uh, Talia Tagabaola at Maryland. And I believe, are we counting Minnesota's uh, Ethan Calicamanis up there as uh, the third returner? Is there somebody else I'm missing? You know better. Head? All right. Either way, where would you put 
Tanner Mordecai. I was looking through some some other people's rankings, and College Football Network had t- uh, Talia number one and Tanner Mordecai two and J.J. McCarthy three. And obviously, you have all these other transfers, right? You have Jeff Sims at Nebraska. You have um, the Hudson Card at Purdue, guy down at uh, at Illinois. Where and Cade McNamara, obviously at Iowa. Where would you put Tanner Mordecai, just off the top of your head? Well, because you haven't obviously studied this. Pretty high. The Athletic has its top one hundred transfers that ran on Thursday out of the 1500 plus transfers this off season. And they had Mordecai at number seven uh, overall. So really? I think that's, that says a lot about what people believe is possible for him. It seems to be a pretty perfect marriage where you've got somebody who has experience, who's done it at a very high level, who's got a chip on his shoulder and wants something to prove, but it also has experience running this kind of an offense. And so all of that together gives me a lot of optimism about what he's going to achieve this year. So I don't think it's completely outlandish to suggest he could be first team all big 10, but a lot of that has to do with what some of these other guys are going to be able to accomplish as well. And that's, what's so fascinating about this season coming in is we we're all just making prognostications based on our, the, the best information that we have available, but we haven't seen any of this. So even though we threw 72 touchdowns at SMU, that that doesn't mean it's going to be an otherworldly season at Wisconsin. I think it gives you reason for optimism, but I think he's going to have a an outstanding year, and that is a reasonable discussion coming into the season of whether he can be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think as we get further into this, we're going to look at Ohio State and whoever wins that job, whether it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, that that's going to be probably a quarterback that's going to be at the top because that's just what Ohio State does, right? That's just they put together and and put out really, really good quarterbacks. It's been that way for almost a decade now. So it's kind of hard to sit here and say that that quarterback is not going to be near the top and not putting up ridiculous numbers. Drew Lahr at Penn State. Penn State's talent. I mean, there is an argument to be made that they could win the big 10 East. Right. And there are a lot of their hopes are on him. Obviously Cade McNamara, we don't know how healthy he is there, but he obviously was quite, he, he was a good leader. He was game manager. Maybe he's not extremely fair uh, at Michigan and, and obviously lost that job to JJ McCarthy. So you have to put JJ McCarthy at the top, just based on what they did last year. Now, again, he did not, he was not counted on to do a ton, a ton, but I would put him and I would put, Talia up there near the top and would say that I think Talia is going to put up a bunch of numbers this year too. So Tanner Mordecai, the only question I have about Tanner, I should say, I have two questions about Tanner Mordecai and you can tell me if they're fair or not. One, can he do it against high level competition? Because the numbers, the splits between what he did against really bad competition, what he did against really good competition is rather stark and, and rather out there and hits you in the face. And then there is just the turnovers. Can he limit the turnovers? Because if you limit the turnovers, Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin can move the ball pretty well. But can he just not do make make the poor mistakes? Which again, that was part of some of those issues in those games. Those are my only two questions with Tanner Mordecai. I think he's going to put up a lot of numbers. I don't know that I and I personally think that he's got a real good chance of breaking Russell Wilson's record 
uh, of yards, touchdowns, maybe, but yards. If he puts up that many yards, he's going to be probably in the conversation for one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. So I think that I think it's a fair conversation to have to have him up near there. But you think about how often it's happened at Wisconsin, not a ton. But again, this offense is significantly different. We've mentioned this before, but in the wins last season at SMU, Mordecai threw 23 touchdowns, one interception, and the losses, 10 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Now you go back and look at the splits of every quarterback ever, and does he play better in wins? Absolutely. On the whole, though, for as much as he threw at SMU, and he had the 72 touchdown passes, I believe he had 22 interceptions, which is not terrible uh, considering uh, as much as he threw. So um, I think that's something to keep in mind. And I, I also think this – people – are have some trepidation in part because of the performance in the launch or at the launch where the first three possessions it's three interceptions he ends up with four picks and that's the worst practice that he's had <laughs> as far as as far as what we've seen and so I, I keep coming back to that I do think he'll generally be able to take care of the football but it, the other part is what stands out most to me is can you do it at a really high level and not just be the game manager type of quarterback but be the one who can you need a big play okay wisconsin has the quarterback to go do it that's why you're upper echelon in the big 10 can he be that guy and that's part of the reason why he's here too he he wanted to pursue the nfl after smu said he wasn't super fired up about the feedback that he received from pro personnel and now you you show you can do it here you're going to be an nfl quarterback so i think that is the bigger concern on my part it's and yeah, sure. I get it. You're right. 72 touchdowns, 22 uh, interceptions the last two years when you're throwing the ball that much. That's not that many, but I'm talking about at Wisconsin, yep. lim limited turnovers, putting your defense in a good spot. It's vital if you're going to be competing for a, a title. And again, a lot of those numbers, as you mentioned, against high level competition, maybe weren't necessarily exactly where you'd want them, but it, he's got a better surrounding cast, especially um, along the offensive line than he did at SMU, just in my opinion. I don't know if some of his wide receivers there are pretty darn good. Uh, so he's, yeah, deeper, maybe deeper here. All right. Wanted to do a little bit uh, overreaction or no for anybody that has not uh, listened to our show. It stems from everybody in Wisconsin asking a question and then putting a no at the end for some reason. Uh, so it's like, hey, Jesse, how you, you, you want to go to the store this weekend or no? That's what this is. Overrated or no? Uh, excuse me, overreaction or no? Jake Renfro, he's always injured. No chance he starts a game for Wisconsin this year. Is that, it, is that an overreaction or no? Feels like an overreaction to me, although as these injuries build up, I do question when it's going to happen for him. And it, the other issue here, and we should say we've, mentioned this before but he's got a foot injury that luke fickle said could keep him out a few weeks he was trying to build back up through fall camp but was primarily the second team center at a certain point i do wonder when you're in the middle of the season how do you get the reps in to show that you are the number one guy and if you're having success would you be willing to move around your offensive line if you've got tanner bordellini at center and you know you're probably going with joe huber at left guard michael Furtney at right guard you're gonna have to shuffle the deck a little bit if Renfro is good to go. But at this point, I think it's an overreaction. They brought him here to be a starter. He's put it on film in 2021. He was the first team all conference in the AAC. So um, 
I do think, though, that it is a, a little bit of a hill to climb at this point, but I'm not going to say it's completely out of the question. So it's an overreaction. I would agree with that. And I think, you know, Luke Fickle was asked about it when we talked to him the last time, whether it'd be possible for him to get a starting spot without, you know, having to do that in the middle of the season. And I think it's important that he played for him and he's seen him play a lot of football. And I think that certainly plays a factor in this. They don't necessarily need to see him to know what he can do. But again, that's two injuries plus the injury last year that how, how effective can he be? And how do you see it? how effective he can be? Well, you're probably gonna have to play him with the twos a little bit in the game before you actually are able to move him up and play him with the starters. I don't necessarily throw you. And we kind of saw that in fall camp. You didn't, don't just throw him back in there with the starters. You, you know, he has to work his way up and we'll see if that's a, that's a possibility. I, I really don't think those three spots are set in stone for the entire year. Right. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be a lot of performance-based movement and they're going to, because it's a new group and it's a new coach and you haven't seen him play in a game. You've seen him all these practices, but you haven't seen him in a game. And I think Jack McNeil has an opportunity to move some guys around trying to figure out exactly what he wants. Overreaction or no, with Herbig and Benton gone, Wisconsin defense definitely could take a big step back this year. And I think I already know where you're going with this. Uh, but either way, <laughs> overreaction or no. That's an overreaction to me. Uh, statistically, you can't ignore what those two guys did. Obviously, I don't know. I think it's very safe to say there's not an outside linebacker on this roster that's going to replicate what Herbig did. And that's something that outside linebackers coach Matt Mitchell has said. It's going to be more of a by committee situation. I do have questions about the defensive line, but I, I think that the tweaks that Mike Tressel is making has a chance to give this defense uh, an opportunity to succeed in some some different ways and really put people in position to do what they do best. I think of that dollar package and Hunter Wohler and the number of combinations that you can have. So I'm not going to say big step back because defensively from a, a national standpoint, they weren't nearly as good as they were say in 2021 when they were setting records for run defense and total defense and all that. So if we're comparing it to last year, I don't think they're going to take a big step back at all. I think it's an overreaction, but I don't, I, I think there's going to be a step back. I think mm -hmm. that there has to be because you're losing two big time playmakers. And while you have some guys that you like, I don't know that they necessarily obviously have a Keanu Benton on the defensive line. I don't think they do. And I don't think they have a Nick Herbig at outside linebacker, two guys that just created havoc and chaos, which is kind of what they, they want their front seven to do in this new defense, which wasn't necessarily the case with the defensive line in the previous system. Keanu just did it anyways, but I think I think there's a step back. I just don't know how big of a step back it is. So it's it's not a it's it's an overreaction to say it's gonna be a big step back. It's not an overreaction to say there's gonna be a, a little bit of a step back unless guys emerge and become big time playmakers on those edge positions. I'm just not sure necessarily who it's going to be in that front. I know we like Brodus Johnson, I know we like James Thompson Jr. and, and they have made some plays in the backfield. Daryl Peterson as a pass rusher. I'm a fan of that. And we kind of saw at the end of last year, him making strides. But I think a lot of their playmakers are in the, in the secondary right now. And I, that's a good thing, especially since one of those guys is Hunter Waller and he's going to be playing all over the place. And so I guess you could maybe consider him even a part of the front seven at times, but I do think it's going to take a step back a little bit. I just don't know how big that step is going to be. I also think it's going to come from different places because their inside linebacker trio Excellent. I mean, yeah. Muma 
Muma looks ready for, you want to talk about all Big Ten guy? He looks ready for that kind of season. Jake Cheney is going to take significant steps forward. And you talk about Hunter Waller. Well, if he's not, if he's going to be playing up, you know, he can make plays in, in some different areas. So part of me thinks, yeah, they don't have that 11 and a half sack guy, but it'll come from some different areas and allow the defense to have success. I'm an idiot. Of course, Muma Jong Meta and Jake Cheney and, and Jordan Turner are all playmakers. I don't know why I just completely left my mind there for a second. All three of those guys, I, I feel very good about as playmakers, especially Muma and, and Jake Cheney, just the way that both of them attack people and Jordan does too. But I, the, the way that they attack people, Muma can do it in a couple different ways, hit you in the face and then go around you type of stuff. And he, he, he is, he's poised for a big year. All right. I wanted to finish with this Remington Moss, Wisconsin's second commit in their class in 2025 out of Virginia. One of the first times Wisconsin's ever, it's been a long time since Wisconsin got a kid out of Virginia. He is somewhat of a legacy, right? Uh, cousin of, of Brent Moss. He tweeted the other day that he's got an offer from a future Big Ten team. USC has offered him. I know we've talked about this with guys being committed or not being committed. Would you consider Remington Moss committed in Luke Fickle's mind? Yes, because he has committed. But the thing is, in like the 2024 guys can't even sign until December. So with 2025, I think the door is always open, especially for somebody that far away. And I, mean, I wrote a story last week about Colin Hitchler and his recruiting prowess, and he was the primary guy on on Moss. But this is not a, a hotbed that for for Wisconsin. He's the first guy out of high school from Virginia to commit to, and if he does sign, uh, which is still a while away, to be from Virginia in the internet recruiting ranking era. The only other Virginia guy was TJ Renard, who Wisconsin found by way of Independence Community College in Kansas. So um, I think that's part of it. Is he committed? Yes. <laughs> but what is commit? This well, goes back to what does commitment mean at this point? I mean, uh, you talk to Luke in 2025. You talk to Luke Fickle. Yeah. I I think he looks at it as if you're going to visit other schools, then you're not committed. Okay. I, it's one thing to tweet. All right. I got an offer. I mean, you know that you can celebrate that. And there are certain players and it all depends on your personality. I've talked to numerous guys who once they sign and I'm doing a story on them, talk about all the offers they got, but they didn't want to put that out there because they didn't want that kind of attention. They didn't want it to uh, look in a negative fashion against Wisconsin, but we've seen guys that tweeted out offers that ended up signing with Wisconsin. I mean, Julius Davis may not be the best example, but way back when he was getting offers from some big time schools. Um, yeah, I think LSU too. Um, and so it, it happens, but if you're going to go visit, that is when the staff goes, all right, then you're, you're not really committed. The one that I'm even more fascinated by is the Darian Dupree situation with Alabama. Um, and I bring that up now, and he's the, one of the three running backs committed in 2024. I think the Chicago Tribune just did a story. It was previewing Mount Carmel season where Dupree is going to be a senior uh, and Jordan Lynch, the former Northern Illinois uh, stand out as the head coach and they were talking about it a little bit and there's some speculation about whether he's going to take a visit to Alabama and that is you get an offer from a program like that it's very hard to ignore and so I wonder what's going to happen in that situation again if you take a visit then you're not 
really committed in the eyes of the coaching staff and that opens the door for everything but we know what it's like in this era commitment doesn't mean anything until you sign and so that's just the way it is right now and wisconsin is going to be looking to do the same thing with other guys who are committed to other programs if it doesn't work out with the guys they have so it's part of college football now and it's part of the evolution it took three running backs for a reason but dupree was always the one at the top and so losing him would obviously be pretty significant but again that's not what we're talking about here. We're not saying that 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 is actually going to happen. It's just the possibility. And even if he does take a visit, it doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to end up at Wisconsin too, right? I mean, just not committed doesn't mean he can never commit again. Right. I mean, you can, yes, people visit and then they stay committed or they, they don't change their commitment. Um, on the other hand, I, I don't know. I mean, we're coming off that June official visit season where you had guys like a Vernon Woodward commit to Wisconsin, but still took his other officials and then ended up flipping to Illinois. It's one thing if you're going to take your official in June and then go visit other schools and make your decision afterward. That's what it, what should happen. It's what a little bit pre- different when you, right, when you make your commitment and then later you start visiting schools. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, Kyan Barry Johnson also told you that he was potentially going to still take visits. I don't know. I don't, that didn't happen. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Right. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Recruiting always changing, always changing. All right. We'll be back on Sunday. We'll do our season preview. And then we've got obviously Tuesday. If you missed it from the top of the show, you just skipped all that Uh, tickets for the opener against Buffalo, really good seats, about a 40 yard line under the overhang, about 50 rows up. We are giving those away on Tuesday's show. Got to listen to Sunday's show. I'm going to give you out the trivia question on Sunday. All you have to do is go and follow us on Instagram, and then I will, and then give me the answer in messages on Instagram, and I'll pick a winner and, and give those tickets out on Tuesday. If I'm not explaining it very well, I'll explain it again Sunday. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Can. All right, man. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Stay warm. Stay cool. Yeah, I'll try.